So the Christian mystic Meister Eckhart writes, the supreme purpose of God is birth. God will not be content until God's son is born in us. I struggle with some of the birth language around Christmas because I'm just like, there are just some things we don't need to hear about. You know, like that. <laughs> There's no simple uh, spiritual birds and the bees. Yeah. <laughs> There's no formula. There's no, that's there's the no, title of Brian's here's next how book. You, here's how you do it. <laughs> Spiritual birds and the bees. There you go. Welcome to episode 214 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft root pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, the Reverends Ogan Holder, Shannon Weston, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And that good brew might be in one of these Pub Theology Live glasses so whether you're a longtime listener or new to the show you can get one of these by becoming a patron sign up at patreon.com slash pt live for some extra extra content uh we do a pre and post show uh, conversations like today we talked a little bit about uh, uh the netflix special midnight mass uh, brian brian had to talk me into watching it i am so glad he did it was awesome. We're going to talk about it at some point. We're giving Shannon uh, time to catch up, um, but we talked about that. We talked about some other things, Christmas plans, other stuff. So if you want to catch some bonus content, become a patron. Patreon.com slash PTLive. Are we still doing the whole, like, send a donation for tornado relief you get a glass thing i heard that last week are we still doing yeah that? i was going to add that into into the post script so so uh so yeah so as we till started of, last let's do it till the end of the year if you give it till the end of the year all right so uh last week we shared that if you uh donate to any sort of i think it was a presbyterian um that's during disaster assistance but honestly if you give to an organization of your choice that goes to the tornadoes either in western kentucky which is where i'm from or um, throughout the South and Midwest. Yeah. Um, World Central Kitchen's doing great work down there. Um, there's the Kentucky organization. Heck, even if you're bidding on the Bourbon Reviews charity auction for it, nice. as my husband is auctioning way too much money in <laughs> right now, um, we, will, we will send you a glass. Just money that goes to that area. Yeah. $25 or more. So 25 bucks or more to any of that uh, tornado relief uh, places, send us, DM us proof of your donation, and we will mail you uh, one of these glasses as a thank you. This week, we're talking about Christmas, commercialism, and the pitfalls of dating around the holidays, like any of us would know. Well, Hogan might. <laughs> wow. Or maybe dating your spouse around the holidays, which is non-existent in my life. <laughs> So what are we drinking today to get us through our holiday special? Why don't you start, Shannon? Because you've oh. been you've been looking forward to to this beer all day. So I have. I bought this special a couple. Derek did the Mad Elf last week, um, but I found one of my favorite breweries, um, the Saint Bernardus Christmas Ale. 
which I am very, very nice. excited about. It is a strong Belgian beer. Whoa. <laughs> um, it is a 9.8% alcohol level. Um, nice. It is, it is not local at all. It is brewed in bottled in Belgium, in Belgium. So that's, that's what I'm drinking. And I might just have two because, you know, it's Christmas. I was going to say, you mentioned, you mentioned there was another one. I already uh, warned my husband and dinner is, dinner is already made, just needs to be heated up. So we're all right. Perfect. Good to go. That's what you call preparing. <laughs> I totally prepared to have two of these beers. What are you drinking, Brian? I've got a uh, vanilla porter, uh, nothing fancy, but you know, a little something dark and creamy from uh, Breckenridge Brewery out in Colorado. You've had this pair of extra gloves this whole time? Yeah, we're in the Rockies. All right. And for me, I think I'm going local, uh, Black Flag Brewing, Columbia, Maryland. I think I had this on the show already, uh, Glen Coca Chocolate milk stout oh yeah as we as we dive into the uh, winter solstice happy winter solstice everyone um nice time for some uh dark thick comforting beverages i guess yeah absolutely on to today's topics so what is your favorite toy from childhood that you still owned and what is your favorite childhood toy that you wish you still owned you know, this when I when I read this question, I I kind of got disturbed. It's like I don't think I own anything from my childhood, like anything, not even a toy. Oh. Like the only thing I might own are maybe some pictures, like photos. You know, I got a couple photo albums somewhere. But proof that you actually were a child at one point. I proof proof that I was. Yes, <laughs> in case anyone was wondering. Um, but yeah, I was like. I don't think I've kept anything. I think part of this is I no longer live in the country of my birth. So that I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. But I'm also wondering if I had still lived in Barbados all my life, if I would have held on to anything. And then even more disturbingly, I don't know what I would have held on to. Right. I did. I did repurchase like a few comic books that I was a big fan of as a kid. Yeah, we um, talked about that recently. Yeah, but but other than that, I don't got nothing. And mm. yeah, I don't know. Well, don't know. So, sorry, that to, sorry to bring this up. Then. <laughs> Seriously. No, Ogan, it's funny that you say it, though, because I'm like, I think I only have books. I don't. So I had I, I had stuffies that I loved. But like, I don't have them. I don't have them anymore. And I'm not a saver. I'm I'm really not like. I have photographs, I have things like that. I actually, I think my books are like right down there. Um, but I do have my original um, Sesame Street Grover's monster at the end of this book that I carried around and read constantly and loved to death almost. It's like falling apart. So that it's not a toy, but. Um, but the one I wish I still own, is it horrible that my thought went to like, what's worth a lot of money that I had? <laughs> yes, <laughs> like... exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, I, so I am a saver. I still have uh, all my old Legos, uh, particularly space Legos. I've got all my baseball cards. I've got all my Transformers. The Transformers! 
It's probably the Transformers that are the ones that I'm glad I still have. And my kid, my boys have played with them. So they kind of got a second life that way. Uh, but now no one plays with them and they're sad and lonely. And the guy who created Transformers just passed away. I thought I read mm-hmm. that. I'm, I'm going to yeah. Google that now. I thought he did. Mm. I was, I had this, um, I had this, we were big Winnie the Pooh fans in our house. And I had this, um, I had this Tigger, but it was like, there was a modern day cartoon Tigger. Oh, uh, glad to meet you. Name Tigger. But my father traveled a lot when I was a kid. And um, I, I got one, like he got me a, a stuffed Tigger from like, and he always called, he like, that's, that because I was full of energy, like that was my you know nickname yeah. and whatever. The wonderful thing about Tigger is Tigger the wonderful thing. Um, he actually called me Tiger, but like that it was actually a, a because Tigger was a tiger and anyway. Yes. Um, you all get it, but it was it was like the original one, and it was I mean the the poor fabric was worn and all of that, but like when that question of like what I wish I still owned. I kind of am glad I don't own it because I think in the end it didn't have eyes and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it was like super creepy and scary. But like that was kind of what came to mind is this like very heartwarming, like little stuffed animal that, you know, um, I wish I still had, I guess. Yeah. I have a super creepy doll my aunt made me that I just can't get rid of because my aunt made it. Yeah. But like, it's super creepy. It's actually in the closet. I could totally show there you. There you go. Oh man, See, I got one right here. I guess this, this that's, wooden... that's why you built that's why you built the shed to put all that stuff in, right? I got this little wooden truck that carries these like pencil-sized like log things. Nice. And I got this plus a wood fire truck when I was like six from my aunt and uncle. And when mm-hmm. I opened it, I looked at it and I said, I don't like it. Ah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was immediately sent to my room until I could, you know, conjure up the proper gratitude. And when my mom came to get me to come out to apologize, I was sitting there playing with them and having a blast. <laughs> the authenticity of youth. So, yes, uh, <clears throat> Transformers creator Henry Ornstein, he died last week, age 98. He was a Holocaust survivor mm. who immigrated to the U.S. in 1947, becoming wow. a toy maker. He convinced Hasbro to buy Takara's Japanese-made Diaclone and Microchange toys and repackage them as Transformers. Um, 98, did you say? 98 years old. Wow. More than meets the eye. All right, I thought I had it. Maybe maybe I did throw it out. <laughs> oh, no. Because I couldn't put my hands on it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, so yeah, that's that's fascinating. He was a, he was a Holocaust survivor. Hmm. Hmm. That is interesting. All right. So it wouldn't be Christmas without. Blank. Without what? Fill in the, fill in the blank. Fill in, fill in, fill in the blank. Wouldn't be Christmas without. Uh, lights. Eggnog. I had meant to get go and get some eggnog today. I can't I believe you eggnog. didn't have eggnog. Like Listen, you always man, have eggnog. You know how you talk about, you know how you said in the pre-show, it was like, you know. No matter, no matter how hard you try, the day still gets away from me and still scrambling at the last minute. Yeah, that was sort of happening to me uh, today. And so I didn't make it out uh, for the eggnog. And I was 
also going to just drink drink the straight bourbon that I was going to put in the eggnog <laughs> uh, as well. You got a <laughs> good beer really, choice, though. I, I, it's the last beer in the house, and I'm wow. about to go on vacation. So I was like, you know, let me just. Yeah, I got to have beer because there's more football today. So, you know, beer yeah. is my. Oh, my gosh. There is, isn't there? Of- I forgot about that. Yeah, Brian, Brian's team won. So he's like, there's no more football. We're done with football. All football ends here. It cannot get any better than this moment. Not only did they win, they blew out a top team. It was insane. Insane. Anyway, it is insane. So I was actually going to make a joke. It wouldn't be Christmas without the Lions beating the Cardinal. (laughs) Nice. Nice. nice, nice. As, As ministers also... It wouldn't be Christmas without us working super extra hard <laughs> as, 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 as well. This is the first, this is the first year in a very, very long time because I'm not affiliated with the church um, or rather because I am in, in a way as a temporary minister that I was very clear from the beginning, I'm not doing Christmas services. I will be traveling that, that I'm not man. working extra like, like you guys, but almost every every Christmas man, Christmas and Easter, work work workathon holidays uh, for us. It's busy. I, I would say it's not. It wouldn't be Christmas without the music. Like it feels like the music just brings up so much of the sort of the feelings, the ethos, the memories, the nostalgia. So I, I would say the music. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, it's. I know that I'm off this year because I haven't been able to immerse myself in the music. Like that's yeah. how I know I'm off. You know, I've tried, but I'm I'm struggling. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Ogan lights lights was one for me too, and I think that um. I think because I have I, my congregation and i always kind of make it as a tongue-in-cheek joke that like it's not christmas till you hold the candle and you sing silent night like that's like that is what evokes christmas right to the church Mm -hmm. community and but that's not and i get in trouble for saying this like that's not the moment for me because i have a hard time in that moment actually like i have a hard time christmas eve more than any other day being a pastor um And, and it's because I, everybody's surrounded by family and I'm separated out, you know, and you're I'm working, I'm working, right. You're working. And I don't get, I, and I didn't get to dress my kids as babies and I didn't get to, you know, whatever. So, um, but yeah. and this, I, and this year's a tight turnaround Christmas Eve, Friday service on Sunday. Yeah. It's, I mean, we do lessons and carols and I'm, I'm on a plane. So, you know, see you later. Good see for you. And we're doing online. So yeah, good for you. But I, but I, I think for me, the, not just the tree, but the lights on the tree, the lights in the window, um, like there's nothing more quintessential Christmas than, you know, driving through a neighborhood and there are lights everywhere, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing for me. Yeah. Um, I, and again, the, the music goes along with that and whatever, but any decoration just, it doesn't count. It's, it's the tree, right? It's that kind of symbol and i love sitting there in the dark and staring at the tree and watching the lights like that's my favorite so there you go yeah 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 by the way we found we found a strand of colored lights and i put them on the tree and did you get in trouble no everybody was like oh that's kind of (laughs) nice so who knows 
What am I missing? Is that is not a thing that usually happens at your house? That was it was last week's conversation. Do you have white lights or colored lights on the tree? Oh. And we have colored lights on our tree and Brian has white lights on his tree, but not by his choice. So, you know. You got them, you got them racist lights. I see. All right. Well, Derek commented that he thinks white lights only are creepy, and I we didn't dig into that, but maybe that's why. I don't maybe know. That's it. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, see, I, 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 I don't mind. I don't mind white light. I like a theme, right? So if you're gonna put white, I don't like white lights, and then you have like fifty bazillion different colored, like, you know, decorations. If you're other... going with a like music, then there's gold music notes everywhere with white yeah. light. Like if it's a theme tree, that's yeah. Exactly. But if you go, if you go and put like the same, like, you know, Christmas ornaments your kids made in kindergarten that you've been hanging on to for all these years. Yes. And and different balls and all sorts of stuff. Then you need the colored lights. You need colored lights. I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. Me too. Yeah. Now, 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 what order do you, now, what order do you put the things on, right? Lights first. Lights first, always. Always lights first, except now I put the colored lights over top of the already decorated trees. So we'll see. And that's what I was wondering. There might be some (laughs) carnage in the tearing this one down. So here's, here's how it goes. Small lights first, big lights second, garlands, then ornaments. Yeah. Then the star. Stars last. Always. So that's the order. There you go. And then the Christmas tree skirt, because I always forget where it is until the end. And so shall it be. So shall it be. If you wanted to know the correct, the Emily Post order of Christmas trees, that is it, friends. (laughs) So the Christian mystic Meister Eckhart writes, the supreme purpose of God is birth. God will not be content until God's son is born in us. Neither will the soul be content until the son is born in it. What do you think about that first line? The supreme purpose of God is birth. I was I was about to say, I don't, my <laughs> theology is God does not have a purpose. And, and by purpose, I, I'm, I'm reading into, the, given the rest of the whole quote, uh, purpose sure. I'm reading as intention or, or reason, I mean, reason for being, right? Um, I don't believe God has a reason for being. God just is. There's no, there's no reason for. Um, that being said, that being said, uh, the God will not be content until God's son is born in us. I believe uh, the, you know, the Christ nature um, is us embodying that and living that. That's that's why we're here. Now, as opposed to God not being content until that happens. Again, I don't I don't believe in. I don't believe in a, in a in a deity that again has the purpose, has an attachment, is content or disappointed. I believe those are, those are us imposing our human emotions uh, onto God, right. anthropomorphizing God. Uh, so, what about the last part where it says neither? You could probably get on board with the last part. Neither will the soul be content until the son is born. In so so mm, yes and yes and no to that one. Again, that's like there's there isn't a, a divine i don't want to say imperative but but live in that christ nature if there's if there's any purpose or reason for us being yeah. here right what's the meaning of life i i think it is to embody and be the be the christ right be the be the church that's what the church is being the christ living that being that bringing that uh to the world um and 
I think I think all the all the qualities, elements, characteristics of that Christ nature, we are living either consciously or unconsciously using for good or ill. It's happening. We don't have a choice because it's it's who we are. So when we, um, you know, in 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 my theological thinking, think of like creation, right? God, God is creation. There's a there's a creation imperative in all of us, and we can create good in the world we can create that which serves the world for good or not we can create that which serves the world for ill but we're always creating we can't help but create we're creative beings so uh, i i think it's all late i think the good bad the uh, all all labels we we put onto us, but, but, but i that's where i go back to that first sentence in the supreme purpose Uh, of god is birth and actually, I was going to completely disagree with it until, Ogan, you just said what you you said. So, because what, what I was going to say is, I would, is his intention to say the supreme purpose of God is life. Because if that's the case, then that encompasses mm. all of creation and an abundance of life and et cetera, et cetera. But then, yeah. so change it not if if birth doesn't mean birth doesn't necessarily mean life um and especially back in you know whatever century this was long long ago the birth really didn't necessarily mean life so what what's the intention besides that it's christmas you know what's the intention of using birth there instead of life yeah that's a great Um, question and he's a mystic so you got to think about it sort of in like you know, well, myth- so I'm, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to get there. Like, right. Like I'm always trying to like, okay, what, what is this quote? What, what's the purpose? What was he thinking of? What's the yeah. purpose of this? So I'm, I mean, I personally, I, even as a, as a woman who has had children <laughs> physically, like I struggle with some of the birth language around Christmas. Cause I'm just like, there are just some things we don't need to hear about, you know, like that's just, <laughs> <laughs> like there are just some things that are best kept holy child the people but like but why use birth in that sentence so and yep. then ogan you just said kind of something interesting which was like but birth is part of the creating like we can't have life without the creating but birth is one aspect of the pregnancy the growing and then there's the birth and then there's the life if mm-hmm. if we're lucky which in these days we mostly are and so it's just interesting use of the word birth rather than life, I guess, is my kind of wonder, wondering mm-hmm. what I would um, need to meditate on for a little while. Um, comment on Facebook from Paula. If we involve Genesis one, God, quote, created for six days, then ceased intervention on the seventh. God's intention is to birth slash create. So is the, hi, Paula, so that, that's is a, the birthing creating so this is where i'm getting hung up and maybe i'm getting hung up and feel free to call me out on that the birthing is the process of of bringing forth what has been created right like that's where i'm getting hung up yes it's the painful process of putting forth um, what has been created Mm. (laughs) i have to add the painful part (laughs) yes no, no, you're 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 kind of right on. You're kind of right on that. I actually I actually uh, posted uh, wrote something around um, 
winter solstice today where he talked about i said do not fear the dark we're not strangers we came to form in it nurtured by it born from it darkness is not the absence of light it is our preparation to be the light so so to your point yes birthin birthin is that transition from creating from being created to to i to the end product right so the process of creation to living now now we're sort of this finished finished product yeah. it's it is that transition right from creating to living and from, this is like i really wanted i was really with them in a john one context right paula kind of touched on that at genesis one but in a john one context which is jesus you know the word was was in the beginning and what was in the word was light and the light was the life of all the people and not one thing came into existence without this this life light right yeah, yeah. sort of this generative center exactly yeah. and that's like so i i could get on board with it but but that birthing language is really interesting to me and this is where i struggle personally in my own faith not necessarily a theological struggle but a personal struggle of like what what does it mean to birth god into the world in my own spiritual journey right and that that is a it's not something i think is explainable right that's not something that we say so step one you know like that <laughs> Well, we, I don't, I don't think we, I, I don't think we can because it is, it is unique to each and every one of us. Right. So it's not something that we can replicate or teach people how to replicate. There's no simple uh, spiritual birds and the bees. Yeah. There's no <laughs> formula. There's no, That's there's the no, title here's, of Brian's here's next how book. you, here's how you do it. <laughs> spiritual birds and the bees. There I mean, I, I've liked some of this. Uh, I, I've heard other quotes of Meister Eckhart that are similar, but not they're a little different than this and I've kind of liked it, but this one, it's a little bit different enough. And I'm also wondering, you know, as, as a male, you know, how appropriate is it to use birthing language and, and does using it in a spiritual sense, minimize what women, you know, actually go through in the process? Does it minimize what Mary went through? So I, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about it. So I can tell you how I feel about it, which is that I would rather you as a male talk about it. And I would rather not talk about it as if you've experienced it, but talk about it because one, it is an experience God has in our, in our theological world, Brian, yours and I, it is an experience God actually has because in God is a, an entity, right? And so it's an important thing to talk about. Derek and I were just having this conversation the other day in our, in our Advent, um, is that what's hard for me you know, I've been a female minister in the pulpit for 20 years. It's still hard for me to talk about um, things like birth without someone conjuring up an image that I was once pregnant and that I have children yeah. and that I, you know, they can conjure up an image of you talking about birth because they're not imagining you giving birth, right? Like <laughs> that's true. <laughs> And that's the difference. And that's why, like, I need more men to talk about this as an experience of God, because then it makes it safer for me to talk about it. Yeah. And no one, when I'm talking about it, is going to be like, oh, does he have something to share? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Honey. Yes. Oh my God. Like I'm, I'm 10 years away from that stopping, but nonetheless, you but know, still. <laughs> maybe five, maybe five. <laughs> 
I think it is, <laughs> if you are looking for a quote to um, spend some like time, you know, if you like, if you're one of these people that really like to meditate on quotes, like this is a good one to, to meditate on, yeah. you know? I, well, I think it, exactly. it, I read it as an invitation. It's, it's an invitation. That's all. <laughs> what I will say is that God is always inviting us into a process and into, there's always an invitation. And yeah. I think this quote is an invitation yes. to where God works in our lives. And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we don't talk enough about being co-creators with God. And so that that's another, this is another place of that invitation. And sadly, we can't RSVP. But I would really we like, we can, um, at the heavenly... no, we can't. I'd really like to sometimes. <laughs> at the heavenly table, I will sit down with Meister Eckhart and we will argue about his use of birth versus life there. So that'll be, that'll be my someday, you know, banquet, banquet table. All right. For the first three centuries of Christianity's existence, Jesus' birth wasn't celebrated at all. December 25th was chosen near the end of the third century to coincide with the birth of the sun god, Mithras. Is that how we say that? As well as the pagan festivals mm-hmm. of Saturnalia. Saturnalia. There you go. That one. Where there was partying, gambling, and gift giving. By the way, my preschool director totally gave me lottery tickets today. I laughed so hard. There you um, go. Keep us posted. <laughs> nice. um, I won $2. Um, would Christianity be better off choosing a different day to celebrate the birth of Christ to disassociate from the pagan origins or from the commercial and from the commercialization, the commercial Christmas? I think that was the point, right? (laughs) To put it there. Um, No, it was. The point was to align it with the festivals, right? Like, right. So would it be, would it be, what do you mean? Would it be better off? I don't know. Well, so, I I mean, we, We've talked before about, you know, the, so there's, yeah, there's a couple things at the end there. So, uh, and sorry, I didn't phrase that very well for reading purposes. And and let me follow up what my line of thinking is yeah. asking, would it be better off? Because at this point in existence, right. those other two right. don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so it's the only thing left. So it, I don't think it yeah. matters what well, day. And that was going to be my point. My point was westernized Christians can can we can take anything and commercialize it so you can put I mean you could put this in August which right now is like basically our only month without a holiday and we would do it up you and know target would take it over exactly and they'd be like oh we won't put up Halloween yeah. decorations till September then all right let's that's do fair it. enough that's fair enough but I you know so I remember, uh, you know, when I first learned of some of these pagan origins of of Christmas. You were shaking, and other, weren't you, Brian? Well, I didn't like it. Like, I was like, I, I hated it. I'm like, this is gross. But then you begin to realize, well, actually, it's all adopted from somewhere in the end. So, like, you gotta you gotta just go with the flow. But I didn't like it at yeah. first, and I thought, well, that what a you know that just seems so arbitrary. It has nothing to do with the historic Jesus um, who we assume wasn't born on that day or maybe even likely not even that time of year is a good good time to my uh there you go ogan's wearing the birthday jesus Jesus uh sweater christmas sweater birthday boy boy. jesus with a party hat on you got the holy spirit and the dove and i don't know the red balloon balloon. is that god the father i'm not sure 
The balloon is the blood that he will eventually shed. Oh, there you oh go. Oh, my God. <laughs> there you go. Way to pop that balloon. <laughs> but but as I, you know, as I heard that, like, these pagan gods were, like, in their celebration were the reason this was made for Jesus, it just felt icky. It's just, I mean, so my, um, our younger son's birthday is in July. So... I badly, badly, like back when we could have holiday parties for the kids or birthday oh, yeah. parties for the kids. You bring treats for the class. Right. Like he would never get his birthday because it was July. So I would try to remember in January, which is hard, yeah. but I would try. Like, what's the difference, right? Like what's, I don't, we, Christmas has become so much more than the birth of Christ, right? It has become, the commercial is, it's associated with winter, right? Like I'm about to go to Arizona for a week where there's going to be, actually, there's going to be snow in the mountains. There's going to be partying, gambling, and gift giving. And beer number two has arrived already. Um, (laughs) At the the retirement community where where your family lives, partying, gambling, and gift giving. Where as a kid, I played a a flash um, flashlight tag on the golf course behind my dad's house. And and, and I'm about to go to Barbados where one of my memories of going up is us getting cans of spray on snow to there you go to help right to help and that's what i was gonna say because it's gotta look like winter <laughs> and yet every person has to associate christmas with snow right yeah. like somehow because sure. white christmas and 19 whatever saying you know bing crosby saying white christmas and now we all have to have white christmas you know and all this stuff so yeah. I, I just think noted domestic <laughs> abuser by the way bing crosby hey yo Seriously. He was what? A domestic abuser. Look it up. Well, this like, is my shocked face. Like, yeah, I, right? Wealthy white man in the fifties. No. Exactly. Like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. You know. Anyway. Also, there's a lot of problems with White Christmas, the movie, but that's a whole other thing. Anyway. Story. The, the second part of it is the commercialization that has taken over, such that I think for most folks, you know, if there's a little bit about Jesus, that that is all there is and it's mostly about the presence and the commercialized aspect but okay brian and and ogan let's you the three of us at least traditionally if not this year like we are very busy we are very focused on our job and actually maybe this this might be gendered so i'm gonna i'm gonna actually start with that you know but still a lot of my time around this time of year is consumed with stockings and presents and counting and making sure everybody like i've spent the same amount of money on everybody and i've spent the same that not only is the same amount of money spent but they each have an equal number of presents so when we pass them out they're equal and and an equal amount of joy will be derived and i still haven't (laughs) baked christmas cookies and i'm the worst mom in the world because i still haven't Mm. figured out where in my schedule i'm going to do christmas cookies and so like, let's, I just don't want to pretend that as a pastor, all my, I'm some pious, you know, whatever, where all my time is spent at the church. Part of what makes this hard yeah. is I don't have as much problem at Easter because I personally, or our family doesn't take on the commercialization of Easter yeah. the way that we do Christmas. The scale is totally different. Easter right. really is Lent, like Lent and Easter really is about church. Yeah. Yeah. But Christmas really isn't. We show up 
It's secondary. My favorite, sure. my favorite meme, my favorite holiday meme from the Onion this year was, um, thanks to the supply chain issues, Americans might be forced to uh, learn the true meaning of Christmas. <laughs> Yes, I was like, point I saw that one. Yeah, that, on point. The Onion needs to stop writing very real articles. <laughs> Seriously, it's like that is that is on that is on point. But that is, by the way, my Christmas sermon. If you would like to show up, <laughs> there you go. I'll be I'll be on a beach. Sorry. <laughs> no, I I would not. Agree. A little teaser. Um, no, it's like like every Christmas sermon. It's okay because if you ask anybody in their entire life, even somebody who's gone to church since they were a baby. Name me one thing that you remember from a Christmas sermon, a Christmas Eve sermon, yes. and they cannot do it. They cannot do it. So, but I let myself off the hook. So, so there you go. I mean, you're 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 making emphasis in the question around commercializing Christmas, but what holiday haven't we commercialized in America? That's what I'm saying. All of them, every single last one of them, even Easter, right? Because it's it's all about the candy. And we and we're pushing sales of candy and and stuff and the like and so the hunt Easter and egg the sitting on the lap of the Easter egg which or the Easter bunny which we oh, still that's a think is okay? that's a thing is that a thing yikes I know we sit on Santa's lap which is even scarier but, but we sit on going to get your picture taken with the Easter bunny oh yeah, yeah I have yeah, never yeah. heard of that are you kidding me it, nope. it's so it uh, no I've seen that but there's never I've never encountered the emphasis of that. Like, like I know, okay. you see people getting in line to take pictures. I, picture of Santa, but no. I was an Easter bunny once, one year. That was yeah. that was fascinating. You clearly did not go to the mall enough, Brian, as a child. Um, <laughs> I was deprived. That that yeah, is true. No, for, no, anyway, but yeah, no. Just like Santa, there's the Easter bunny that mm-hmm. sits there with the chair and the Easter things, and you go and you get your picture taken with the wow. Easter bunny. Um, yeah, yeah, and the presents that. aren't as big or extravagant, but like you still get a basket with the basket. Yeah. The candy and at least, you know, when we when I was a kid, it was a tape or a CD. You yeah. know, it was like one little yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Speaking about, you know, as we talk about co-opting another pagan festival, right? There's, you know, and 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 the pagan. No, exactly. True. My my favorite, one of my favorite moments was remember uh, a couple of weeks ago when they somebody set fire to the Christmas tree outside a Fox News head uh, station in New York. Did you see this? <laughs> yes. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, this was this was a big thing, man. They they were on oh, the like two they three milked it days. for all it was worth. But one of the one of the fascinating things was um, I think it was on one of the morning shows, um, one of the um, you know news anchors, she was like very upset about she's going on and how could they burn down the Christmas tree? Christmas represents so much christmas represents jesus it represents hanukkah it represents and she's just going on and this on is listing things that are clearly not things. and i'm like and i wanted to call it, do you actually know the origins of the christmas tree because i mean it is, yeah, it is, no. it is the you know i i love in all in almost all of these christian festivals and holidays right because they're basically plopped down on top of pagan uh uh commemorations how how there's still that presence of of the underlying pagan religion in there that that either christians are not aware of willing to turn a blind eye to but then outside of christian holidays anything that doesn't have a whiff or anything that does have a whiff of of not being christian we're up in arms around right and how many christian families are putting up christmas christmas trees and, yeah. and calling them 
a holy Christ, Christian symbol when so there not. was this meme. <laughs> Brian, did you post it? Somebody posted it where it was like um a Christmas tree lot and it says for Christians only. And you know, it's like <laughs> this, like whatever. I did not but, see that. But, I, you know, we do a hanging in the greens every first advent. And one of the things we talk about was that like greenery was first brought into houses during Yule, which was a Norwegian, you know, time because you brought greenery in in the dead of winter in these freaking cold areas of the world. And you needed to remind be reminded of its life. And that doesn't make us bringing greenery into our house any less important or beautiful but let's honor where it came from and let's and let's talk about it and that's why to me knowing where these things came from is important and let's openly talk about it that doesn't mean it's any less meaningful in that spirit of christmas for me but that's that's me personally yeah you know that's a good place to land i think so last part of this is what is the most, is there like a, a word or a phrase that's like the most meaningful theme for you for Christmas? Mm. So mine used to, I'll start, mine used to be merry and bright. I used to just love merry and bright. Like that was, you know, whatever. Um, but I cry every single year. So we do silent night with the candles and then there's the benediction. And then we depart, like all the lights come up and blah, 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 with joy to the world. And there's that line in joy to the world that's repeat the sounding joy. And what I love about repeat the sounding joy is that I don't have to create the joy. I don't have to muster it up. I can just repeat it. I can just repeat resounding joy. And therefore we'll, we'll, we'll as community share the joy, but I alone don't have to do it. And that's what I love about it. You know, it was, it was, it was funny because the only thing that kept coming up for me were similarly lines from Christmas songs or carols. And, and, and the one that I think has stuck or attempted to stick with me from childhood was tis the season to be jolly, mm-hmm. which, which um, is a load of crap, first of all. And second of all, it's as I'm, you know, we started this with a whole discussion about things from our childhood. And I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. You know, we, we, we had a mom and pop store. We, we, we have a bakery. And it's been, it's always traditionally been, still is the most busiest work time of the year. Christmas Eve is like insane in terms of when you own a retail business and, and our family mm-hmm. owned two. And basically you worked from, you know, 5 a.m. till like stuff closed down, 11 p.m. midnight. And then Christmas day, everybody's just too tired to do anything. So you're basically just asleep most of Christmas day. You wake up in the afternoon, get some lunch, and then you go back, you go back to sleep. But, but, leading up to that there's so much overwork that no one's jolly everybody is like right crabby Crabby. as hell (laughs) right and and even us as ministers of because of all the pre-planning that we have to do to make sure we have christmas eve and and then if there's you know depending on how close after christmas we have sunday morning coming and then there's maybe a new year or something and different churches have different traditions and it's a whole thing and we might as well plan for new year's we do it in all one fell swoop there's a lot of preparation there's a lot of you know shannon you mentioned on top of 
on top of your your pastor duties there's there's the familial duties as well right this is a stupid stressful time of year for so many people the pressure to get the gifts and all of that and and you know as brian said make sure there's equal joy spread around uh if you got a lot of kids it is it is i don't i i, I think more and more we've been increasingly acknowledging that that this is this is not the most wonderful time of the year but for the most part we're not doing anything different about it we're still succumbing to the same uh stressful practices and now here we are at a time when on top of that we we are coming off the heels of two years of covid and another another variant that is already beginning to cause closures of things and reinstatement and folks are like, Oh my God, here we go again. Um, and, and, and people's psyche this year around Christmas is, is, yeah. is, is turning fast, right? Here we are. In, <laughs> Brian put in the chat here. We are as in olden days, happy golden days of yore. Yeah. I wish, I wish for some happy golden days, but, but yeah. So, so I think it's a real struggle for people this year and increasingly so, but, but especially with this, again, this new variant and things happening to really feel that, that joy, to pass on that joy, to embody that joy and, and jolliness and, and happiness. And I, I honestly don't think we feel it until Christmas Day because for the most part, everything stops, right? Christmas Day is the day where the stores are closed, the the church is closed, and we're home with our family and our loved ones. And then we finally go and we and we and we and we let our shoulders fall and, and we relax into it. But leading up to it. We don't, we don't, we don't do that. I don't, I don't really don't think we experience any of, of the joy, the light, the happiness until the day of, and it's short lived because then we're back, we're, we're back to the grind. Happy Christmas, everyone. <laughs> right. I, I will say growing up, our tradition was no church on Christmas Eve. We had church Christmas morning. Mm. Oh Yeah. We, we had that 5 a.m. Christmas service because clearly, as the scripture says, Jesus was born at dawn. 5 a.m. Christmas morning uh, is a long-standing tradition still wow. in, in Barbados. And then we'll wow. all parade down to the to the big park in the city and, and parade or Christmas finery because we all had to have new outfits for Christmas. Um, but we have new pajamas for Christmas. Well, there, there you go. Parade, parade, parade. <laughs> Not new parade. outfits, but new pajamas. Parade those hey. So it was exhausting. Like this time of year is yeah. exhausting, you know? Yeah. So I'll say my favorite uh, or a theme that I like is the line from Joy to the World also. Uh, Let every heart prepare in room and heaven and nature sing. Yeah. Like just that sort of, you know, that, you know, to me at that, is really the heart of Christmas is us receiving Christ into our lives, bringing, bringing what he embodied into our lives, into our world. And then that idea of heaven and nature, that sort of unity between um, the spiritual and the material, that oneness uh, is a beautiful image. Yeah. It's interesting. Joy to the world is not my favorite song to sing, but the, the language of it is beautiful. Yeah. It really is beautiful poetry. Um, 
All right, last question. The magic of Christmas time during the early stages of a relationship can trick people into thinking it's much more serious than it is. Dates tend to include cozy Christmas gatherings and ice skating. You might even meet the person's family. And when everyone goes back to work and everyone's life, everyday life resumes, suddenly the relationship, which looked like it was heading for something serious, suddenly disappears. Turns out you've just been snow globed, according to Cosmopolitan. That sounds dirty, by the way. <laughs> Has this ever happened to you? No. So first off, it sounds like a Hallmark movie, which is why, which I don't understand. I've still never understood the Hallmark movie. But I've been but hearing about this. This is a real so, thing that so it's 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 called it's it starts it starts before Christmas. It starts in fall. It's called cuffin season when when this is a real thing because as it gets you know days get darker and colder like there's this there's this need to like couple with there's someone to, you yeah, know cuff yourself to, to someone do. you know yeah, and, yeah. and and be in this romantic space and then you know spring happens and you're like oh want to get out and be free again and then you have your summer fling and then you rinse and repeat um wow yeah so google it cuffing season it's a real it is a it is a real thing now as someone as someone whose current relationship started in fall a year ago <laughs> i i can i can attest to the i can attest to the feeling and and here i am still a year later so it did not end did not end in spring ryan when did you and christy start dating what time of year You've been snow globed. Um, <laughs> actually, <laughs> we started dating very late in the year and we were engaged in January. Boom. <laughs> like we it's were dating thing. like a month and then I proposed. <laughs> really? <laughs> when you know, you know, man, you jump in. Uh, was that you knew or was that like a I would I would like to do married things? He now. got he no, 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 no. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It was it was like we were both 27 and like both married just things. Felt this... I just got that. It took a second. <laughs> it was it wasn't that. <laughs> but it was it was just we weren't that young and we had a lot of, you know, we just felt like we dated other people and this felt right. Well, and and especially, let's be honest, at that time and in our environments in the evangelical life, 27 was not young. No, to get it was married, not. Right? No, like, well, that that's right. the thing, right? Now, 27, I if my kids, you know, engaged at 27, I'd be like, are you sure? You know, is this <laughs> like whatever? But right. Then, but all our like siblings and friends have exactly. pretty much been married already. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And we wanted to get married like that summer. And like, turns out like planning a wedding doesn't work very well you until you're actually engaged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's too funny. Yeah, interesting. Um, I mean, Derek and I started dating in the spring, so I don't know that that counts. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so did so I, did uh like Jennifer and I. Um, we started dating. In the spring. Yeah, we met. We met. We met spring. Had a crazy whirlwind summer romance, and I think yeah, by the end of that year, and and this is my senior year of college. By the end of that year, I'm. I'm telling her, yeah, we should we should get married. She laughed at me and said, uh, you go get a job first. <laughs> Let me make sure you can make some money and then we'll talk. <laughs> See, that's the appropriate response. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
I always say this. I said, nobody ever in all the lists of like, here's your checklist for a husband or a partner or whatever. Nobody ever said like, can they hold a job? Exactly. Are they willing? Are they willing to work a job for the sake of the family, even though they don't love it? Like, these are some check marks I and, need to know. And I think where that question, it took me, it took me a long time to figure out where that question, where that uh, request might have come from, because she was already graduated and working. She'd been, uh, right. you know, she'd been like two years working in the field. I started yeah. college late, so I'm a college senior. So basically, for much of our dating time, she's carrying me financially. <laughs> Right. Yeah, she's bringing home the bacon. She's she's bringing home the bacon. I'm I'm learning how to cook, so she's been carrying me financially for months of dating. So I think I think in her head she was like, "We can't keep up this dynamic." So yeah, this is, this, we can get married, but this isn't the way our marriage right, is going to right, go. Right, right, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. No, but I, I I really do wonder, like, one, when this started, but two, like, I really do think Hallmark movies created this effect. I'm. I'm just going to stand by that. Maybe it's maybe and maybe it started in the 50s with all the white Christmas movies and whatever. Mm -hmm. But this idea that you fall in love at Christmas and you meet their family and that somehow meeting their family and whatever is going to make you fall in love even more, maybe because you understand that you're all your families are crazy and that you're the right kind of crazy, crazy cool. together. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, but see, I don't think it's I don't think it's that meeting the family that makes you fall more in love with them. It's that you might meet the family because it's the holidays. And if you meet the family, that elevates the seriousness That's, of right. the relationship in your mind, even though the other person maybe doesn't have that same level of serious. I mean, here's here's how serious that is. Derek didn't meet my extended family till this summer. So that just tells you how on the fence we were. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying years into the relationship, here's go. my family. There but that go. has way more to do with me fearing scaring him off by me. I was gonna say Shannon not wanting to get snow globed. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Could still happen. I don't is I think there is something psychological as well. Let me name about being alone on the holidays. Yeah. In the holidays, right? Yeah. yeah. There is something psychological to me being alone. I remember a couple years ago, a friend of mine who was single, like got together with some other single friends and they did a gift exchange because they were like, I need someone to buy me a present. You know, wow. I need, I need someone who loves me to buy me a present kind of thing. Um, and I, I will admit that like Derek and I are very sensitive to friends of ours that have gotten divorced in during the year and and at christmas time we send them presents that year because we want to make sure that they have something to open from somebody who loves them you know things like that i i wow, really you really are a two on the enneagram yeah <laughs> so uh so from the from the guardian that's cool though. from the guardian.com on coffin season uh, around this time of year, uh, people tend to socialize less, meaning more nights spent at home alone for many. Shorter days can exacerbate feelings of loneliness or depression and bring on seasonal affective disorder. The holidays may loom as unwelcome reminders. Another Christmas or New Year spent single, an empty diary come Valentine's Day. So I think there's, 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 yeah, there's, there's that pressure Shannon mentioned. Yeah, because then you have to turn around. 
And I actually would guess that these relationships end somewhere between New Year's and Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. A lot of them end right before Valentine's Day. Yeah. Uh, They end end somewhere the end of January, beginning of February. Like it is, I guarantee there is a week-long window where these relationships end. There, which is where is. a lot of breakups, a-, a lot of breakups happen right before Valentine's, because if you're if you're still with the person at Valentine's, then then things are really starting to get serious. But now now I have a boyfriend. All right. <laughs> I hooked up with her on February 13th. So we so- all want to tell grandma or mom or aunt or whatever that we're dating somebody at Christmas. We all want to date on New Year's. But then when it comes to Valentine's mm-hmm. Day, we're going, uh, I don't know this is real. I don't know so, that this is so something else, where we're at. Something else to uh, what Brian mentioned, external pressures are more obvious. When families get together for the holidays, there might be some social comparison going on between you and your cousins of the same age, for example. Why do they have partners and you don't? External pressure can come from aunts, uncles, and grandparents. When are you going to bring someone home? When are you getting married? Uh, and that can lead people to focus critically on their singledom, as can media representations of the colder months that celebrate romantic relationships to the exclusion of all others. Every single Hallmark movie is basically one of those home for the holidays tropes. There it is. Yes, it Was is. It, my favorite meme right now is the one where they watch a Hallmark movie backwards and they see a woman move away from her small town yes. to the big city and take a great big job as a corporate lawyer and wear fancy, amazing like pencil skirts. Yeah, like that's my favorite meme right now. Um, by the way, Netflix giving the Hallmark channel a run for its money in terms of, of no, I'm not having any really bad holiday I will take, I will take my Emmett Otter and I will call it a day. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh my goodness. It's a it's a it's a real thing, man. I love my Emmett Otter. I do watch Love Actually. Oh, yeah. Right, last best best Christmas. I'm gonna movie. I'm gonna throw in a final word, which is the last question, which is top three Christmas movies that you have to watch every year. Oh. Ready to go. Oh geez. Yes, uh, love, top three. love actually. Yep. Love uh, actually from you. Um, Brian, do you watch Love Actually? No, not one of yours. No. Die Hard. Yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah. Fight no. me. No, it is. It is a Christmas movie, but we Die don't hard. have to watch every and 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 uh oh sh- name recall. What's the one with the guy who had the old, you know, the the what what would life be if I wasn't alive? You know, well, it's a wonderful it's life. It's a wonderful life. Which there is another one of mine. It's a wonderful there, top life. Top three bonus bonus elf. Love me some elf. Wow. So yeah, we're we're an elf and Fred Claus because I actually really like Fred that's Claus. actually holds up. That's actually a pretty decent movie. Yeah, Fred Claus holds up. Um, so for us, it's a wonderful life on Christmas, Emmett Otter, um, love actually around Christmas, but also Miracle on 34th Street, the original one mm-hmm. is one of my one of my go-tos. There you go. I only have one and it's home alone. <laughs> Kevin! My kids are super into Home Alone now, oh. like super into it. My my go. favorite, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, and I may have shared this before, and Joy reminds me of this every Christmas. She was about six years old. We're living in Kansas City. It's just me and her watching this movie. I don't know where mother was, but she and I are watching this movie. And for the first time, I don't know why it took me this long after she was born, but for the first time, you know, at the end of the movie, when he comes back and he's like hugging his kids, 
like for the first time, like I get it on a whole other level. And I start crying and I'm hugging Joy. And I'm like, oh my God, I love you. So-. And and I'm hugging her and I'm bawling. And all Joy's like, Daddy, you hurt me. Right. You me. <laughs> What's happening? Oh yeah. my God. And every I to this day, every year at Christmas, she reminds me, remember, but remember that time you almost like squeezed me to death <laughs> watching it's yeah. a wonderful life. Wow, there oh, you go. But that there movie's the whole thing. Well, friends, we hope it's a blessed holiday season and that you are able to squeeze someone you love with the appropriate amount of love and joy. Thank even, you for even, tuning if in. even if it's just for four months. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get access to pre and post show banter and more. Visit patreon.com slash PT live to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. And as we noted at the outset, if you donate $25 or more to tornado relief, whether that's through the PCUSA or other relief agency, send us proof of that donation uh, to info at pumptheology.com or message us on Facebook. And we will send you a pump theology live pint glass. You can tune in anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And our top cities this week, if my mouse batteries aren't dead. Give me one second here. Know what you're getting near stocking. <laughs> our top cities this week. Number three, Rehoboth, Massachusetts. Number All two, right. Cashiers, North Carolina. And number one, also in the Tar Heel State, Silva, North Carolina. So thank you wherever you are tuning in from. And if you'd like to watch us live, you can do that Tuesdays on Facebook around 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. And if you'd like to join a pup theology conversation or start one in your town, check out all the resources available at pubtheology.com. Until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Merry Christmas and Festivus for the rest of us. <laughs>